Fifth Liberty! No! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Inside Games Cast. I'm Lawrence. I'm joined by Bruce. How you doing, Bruce? That's right. It's Marshall Green ah. uh, in, in Helldivers, or Space Chief Prime Green, whatever you prefer. <laughs> Field Chief Marshall Prime Green. Uh, it's good to share this cast with you. A cast for freedom. A cast to defend liberty. The ability to sit in one spot and talk about a video game for an hour. You gotta love it. But yes, Helldivers 2 is the is the big thing going on right now. It's a, it's a breakout success. We've had a lot of those recently, yeah, we have. which is kind of its own subject. But Helldivers 2 is a special case because it's online. Uh, and unpre- unprecedented success brings a lot of headaches when it comes to online games. Which also mm. causes a lot of headaches for consumers that just want to play the game they bought. So, we're gonna talk a lot about that too. Uh, I have some, you know, as usual, some thoughts about video games. So it's it's time to talk about <laughs> Helldivers too. Let's uh, do it. Yeah, uh, just let me cover some uh, some top line uh, Please, headlines yeah. about Helldivers real quick. Uh, it currently has the highest concurrent player count on Steam ever for any game from Sony or Microsoft. It being a Sony wow. game itself. That's crazy. Pretty cool. Uh, just at the time of writing an informal check, it is the second most played game, second only to Counter-Strike 2. Uh, and yeah, Valve games, of course, always have a lock on Steam most of the time. Of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, don't have a good fix on sales at the moment. The CEO said on Twitter on February 10th that they were around a million then, but that's, gosh, over a wow. week ago at this point. Yes, because it's, it's gone viral since then. So mm-hmm. like, I didn't realize it sold so many early on. I was playing it and there were no problems. For the first week-ish, but now it's gone. So now it must have sold so much more. Yeah, uh, these kinds of things tend to like snowball. You know, uh, I'm I'm starting to hear people that don't follow games at that tier usually starting to ask about it. So that's when you know mm. it's really hit a hit a certain plateau or broken through a plateau, I should say. That's right. Um, there's some sales estimations on the internet because that's really all all we've got. People extrapolating from publicly available data. Estimate uh, estimates range from 1.6 million to 10.7 million. So, <laughs> so wow, sales! Oh, it's like the wow. social blade of, of Steve sales, I guess. <laughs> uh, so it's all over the place, um, and this leads to a lot of like varying tolerance for the state that the game's in at current, which you know has some some technical problems with the clients crashing, some uh, connectivity problems with having to wait in queues to log in. The, that old chestnut, uh, mm. and yet. Uh, people aren't quite as mad at this game as they would be with others for a variety of reasons, but most of them are pretty wholesome. Uh, but we can go over that. Anyway, Bruce, you played a ton. You've actually played more than I have. Uh, I, why don't you go over, because you said you've been following it pretty closely, right? As, as the game kind of yeah. evolves. Well, the only reason I've been following it closely is because I want to know how to play the game. So uh, <laughs> the first week, like I said, when I played this first day out, it was very much like Pal World, where... Played Pal World. I, I try to keep up, as Lawrence knows, I try to keep up with new games all the time. So I'm always kind of checking in to find out what's the newest game and what is it, what is it like? So when I played Pal World, uh, I played it with a friend of mine, Max, JP, and we both were like, this is a really good. This is a really good video game. And this was a couple days before it launched and then it exploded, obviously. Pal World did. And it was the same with Helldivers. Uh, I played it with, uh, I think it was you and Max. And I think we, pl- I think... Was that it? Or was it you and JP? I'm trying to remember who uh-huh. we all played yeah, JP was the, first, the first day. And all of us were like, this game is really good. <laughs> like, we kind of, kind of, it caught me by surprise. I don't know about you, but. Yeah, same. Uh, yeah. I was just impressed yeah. with the production values. And then, yeah, just the game design uh, yeah. was really locked yeah. in. Yeah. It's, uh, and- it kind of existed a scope, you know, that's kind of elevated. We haven't seen something that's just like a tier bigger. Uh, and that's that's what really hooked me with it. Yeah, and also it was forty dollars. That was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, wow, this is really. They came in at a super reasonable price point, and it it felt 
it really didn't feel to me like a $40 game. I it, like kind of, I almost immediately gave it more money for the battle pass. Cause I was like, I feel like it deserves an extra 10 bucks or whatever I gave it. Um, so when we played it for the first week, I was playing it every day, loving it, streaming it, having a blast, played with anybody and everybody who would jump in. Um, and then like around that seventh or eighth day of playing it, uh, server problems. So like, this is like, all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, why can't I log into this? <laughs> like I would never had an issue. And, uh, and I was like, there's no way they're going to have queues. And I would jump in and there'd be a queue. And I was like, sit there and stare at the screen for an hour or two. And I was like, do, is this worth waiting for? Am I like, it was very much like World of Warcraft. I don't know if you have ever done the wait in a, wait in a queue for World of Warcraft. Oh, sure. But, oh, but that's kind of the worst because, uh, if World of Warcraft crashes, just like Helldivers, because Helldivers crashes quite a bit, then you get bumped back out and there is no, you got to wait in that queue again and their queue is even worse than World of Warcraft's because it's kind of a lottery. <laughs> it's not really even a queue. Yeah, you don't have a place in line or anything like that. No. Estimated wait time, nothing like that. Yeah, because the developers Arrowhead just, ha- they didn't anticipate this. Um, so, I the, the game crashing early on didn't bother me because whatever, games crash, no big deal. But, uh, that's exacerbated a lot by the fact that when it crashes, you then have to jump back into this queue. And I uh, was talking with Lawrence earlier about this, about how people are just leaving the game on because there is no AFK timeout. So people can just stay logged in for days. And by the way, people have told me they are doing this. They're just keeping the game on for three days so that they can not have to worry about a queue. And that sucks. That's like... I'm actually really surprised the developers didn't have that either. They're working on that. They're going to patch that in eventually. I don't even, I probably won't even matter by the time they get it in. But, uh, so there's a lot of issues right now at this game, which is too bad because it's awesome. Like it is so much fun to play. So once I'm actually playing it, I'm having a fucking blast. But if this game crashes, that is the, that's it. Like I would just stop. (laughs) Like I wouldn't even play. Yeah, no, that's it. Because then you got to, sit there and wait maybe an hour, maybe three hours, maybe five minutes uh, to get in. And like lots of people, of course, have the gamer superstitions about like, well, if you join your friend through Steam, you skip the queue. That hasn't worked for me. They're like, oh, if you uh, delete your config file, well, then it'll reload. Yeah, I know there's so many of them and I've tried them all. (laughs) And the one that works is I sit there and just watch it retry and try to get it into the server. And that eventually that it goes in, um, just takes a long time. So yeah. So like, I know all the developers are working very, very hard and they, they have a, this is a small studio. I think most people would consider this a double A game, not a triple A game. And Arrowhead never would have anticipated this, but they've made an awesome game and I'm sure they're very proud of it. So, uh, very happy to see the successes and I'm glad they're working on it, but also like, please hurry, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> But uh, this is like a, it's, it would, if it were me, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, if I was running this company, I would be really worried, not because my company isn't working fast enough, but because if I don't strike while the iron's hot, I lose a lot of players that will probably come back for months, maybe even years. Um, if these people can't get in and, and play the game. Cause I've seen a lot of people complaining online, obviously. Um, and by the way, completely valid. Uh, I, I truly do think that if you buy a game and you can't play it, I think that there's a serious problem. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. I've, uh, what has it been? Two weeks ish. 
I think since it's been out. Um, and I've just had an amazing time. I can't, I can't recommend this game enough, but I don't think you should play it right now. <laughs> okay. That's pretty fair. Um, yeah, I've been really lucky. All the times I've tried to play, I think have been off peak. So maybe like a 10 to 15 minute wait. Um, that's I've got a crash here and there, but nothing that's like derailed my evening. So I don't think I've seen the brunt of it that a lot of other people have. I also was traveling over the weekend. So I think that's probably the heaviest, worst weekend that I got to. Oh yeah. I got to just yeah. eat empanadas and listen to salsa music instead. Uh, but I, I am fascinated by the, the consumer angle. Yeah. Because it's, uh, cause yeah, the buck should stop at a pretty, a pretty normal spot. Right. And, and just by the way, I have to mention, this, this is one of my favorite comments. Uh, Dio wrote, can't wait for Bruce and Lawrence to tell us why we are overreacting about the hell diver server issues. <laughs> that's, that's what we would do. Right. Um, maybe uh, here I can try my best. All right. Uh, this is one of those situations where like every reasonable mind in the room probably made the right call. You know, there was no reason to expect the game was going to sell like this unless you just happen to catch on to this new trend where games that launch in dry spells sell outrageously good, which is another, mm-hmm. another interesting thing, but not something you could bank on. Also, like imagine, imagine that you had planned for a huge infrastructure and it didn't show up. Then that's, you'd be uh, millions of dollars off? wasted. That's well, yeah, it's wasted millions of dollars wasted and people laid off. Exactly. Yeah. So you, as with most things in, in this life, you know, you make, you make the most educated guess you can around the logistics that are going to constrain the work you have to do. And then, yeah, life is chaotic. And sometimes millions of people are drawn to your awesome game, your awesome wacky <laughs> game about shooting a bunch of aliens and screaming. <laughs> I guess, I guess in retrospect, that's a pretty obvious thing that everyone would love, but, uh, <laughs> But yeah, uh, I guess the thing that 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 makes my my soul tingle the most is when people start trying to understand why these logistic barriers happen. Um, and I get that just buy more servers thing. Computers are supposed to be instant, or they feel that way most of the time. Um, but even computers, you know, take time to do stuff. Uh, so if you want to log in, it, it feels instant most of the time, but that's just because the computer was there and ready for you. So computers, you know, if they receive a log, this is like if you're just starting the game, which is where the huge bottleneck is, uh, they have to like check your authentication. They have to ping Sony servers. They have to set up a new instance for you to run in. Uh, so there's a load associated with that and it takes time. And if too many people file down the, the internet pipes and all make the requests at the same time, then they basically have to wait. Uh, and I don't know. Then there's just bottlenecks further down the, the road that yeah. you probably made, again, very, very smart decisions about. So uh, it all comes back to this, like, the consumer shouldn't have to care about any of that. They should That's right. yeah. pay money and get a game. And yet there are factors that really, theoretically, no one's to blame for if you, you know, if you want to be chilling, which I'm trying to do. Uh, <laughs> so, so where does that... That's just one of those, you know, life sucks sometimes moments, I guess, right? There's no one to point the finger at. There's no one to blame unless you really want to. You can like make up a boogeyman or something, uh, an evil exec uh, that that made this happen for some reason. But yeah, where does that lead people? Just get a refund and wait situation? Yeah. And that's what I've been saying. I've been saying uh, get a refund if you have like tried to play for an hour or whatever you couldn't get in and you're mad about it. Absolutely get your refund. I've also heard that on PlayStation, you really don't have these issues. So... Really? Uh, PC, PC seems to be where the, most of the issues are and PlayStation people are kind of like nah, I got no problem so uh, I don't know that that's actually true because I haven't played it on PlayStation but uh, that's what I've heard um, but I truly don't think that people are overreacting to this and I'll tell you why I'll tell you why that 
Uh, like, obviously, you know, the death threats and all that other bullshit, that's, you know, uncalled for and you should never do it. But people being upset about this is valid. But I've also seen, like we were talking about before the podcast, a very measured response where people are like, hey, hey, hey don't worry, guys. <laughs> They're working on it. They're doing it because they are. The CEO has been very responsive and transparent about all of his responses. So he's really desperately trying to be like, no, no, we're trying. And people are listening to that, which is great. But also, it's a $40 video game. It's not a AAA studio like Blizzard, uh, who everybody hates. So it's not. It's a, and so like we're all sort of, you know, like in it together. You know, like we're all like, hey, hey don't worry. You know, like I'm, it's frustrating, super frustrating. And I, I can't stand it. But at the same time, I know that they're working on it. And they didn't. There's no way they could have guessed that this was going to have a half million people playing on Steam. Like, no way. Um, and with Blizzard, I truly do hold them to a higher standard. I think that they have absolutely no excuse because they're a multi-billion dollar company. So if they launched Diablo 4 and they're like, we don't have enough servers. I'm like, oh, fuck you. Yeah. That's bullshit. Like, you knew. You understood on purpose. Be, yeah. Yeah. There'd be 10 million people playing your game at launch or whatever. By the way, to Blizzard's credit, Diablo 4's launch was awesome. Uh, they nailed it. Um, they had a bunch of open betas that stress tested. And then those stress tests fixed it. So for the Diablo 4 launch, they nailed it. Um, so credit to them. Uh, but for Arrowhead, I don't think that they... I think maybe, what they said, 10,000 bots possibly online? You know, like kind of like, oh, put it with a load of 10,000, see how it does. <laughs> um, but not a half million. I mean, like... and And... and the reason that I can say that pretty confidently is because they didn't even have a queue system built in. Mm -hmm. Like they had, they would never have guessed if people were wait in line to play their game. So they didn't even make it, <laughs> um, which is that cracks me up because uh, I could see, you know, like 40 dudes in cubicles making this game. And like one of them is like, hey, hey, what happens if like uh, 50,000 people want to play? And they're like, that's never going to happen. <laughs> you know, like. They're all like, they're like, no, this is a, it's a sequel to a game that only a few people played. Like, whatever. They'll, you know, this will be a game that we'll maintain for a few years and I'm sure it'll be, you know, we love it. We're very passionate about it, but there's no way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now they have their, I bet everyone's got their hair on fire over there. So. Well, now I imagine the scary part is what if you, what if you, yeah, you run and you like hire a million people and you buy a ton of servers and then people just get over it. You know, a week from now, something else comes out. So you got to kind of be measured. I feel mm -hmm. like this connects to um, to some of the other discussions we're having about layoffs and stuff. You want to you want to believe that every company can scale organically, but the video game business is everything but organic. It is so like it's pay, it's like it's like oil shooting out in the backyard and, and then suddenly it causes all these problems because you weren't ready for it. <laughs> right. Uh, right. So, yeah, I as somebody who watches a lot of the business stuff, I have empathy for for where the developers are in projects like this and. Certainly, like a lot of developers would like these problems the, the to be victims of success in this way. But yeah, uh, it, it does suck when you want to play an online game because um, that uh, didn't used to be the case. But we do get some things in return for it, right? The online co-op's pretty cool. Uh, I mean, so. the, well, I was, I was going to say, so there's a... Because like, obviously, we don't need... What's a single player game that has like an always online connection? Like, we don't need that. That's mm -hmm. not a thing we need. But... Yeah, there's, there, I know there's a couple and I can't think of one offhand. Um, but or like the Denuvo DRM bullshit. Like we don't we don't need that stuff. But with Helldivers, you truly do need online play. Like this is a four player co-op game. You need matchmaking. 
Uh, also, there's some really cool aspects of Helldivers, like you get to see how many Helldivers are online at the same time. And you get to see how they're taking over a, pl a very slowly a planet or something like that, watching the percentage go up. And like um, the rumors of uh, when your ship jumps into a system and all the other ships are around, those are other players. Yeah, apparently. I thought so. Yeah, that's what people say. I don't know that that's actually true, but those are other players. And then also, like, they have when, like, their weapons go off off of those ships, those are apparently orbital strikes they're calling in during their games. I don't... Rumors. These are rumors. I, I don't actually know that. But a lot of the other stuff, again, like, the percentages of, of uh, planets getting captured and they have, like, real-life events that are happening in 36 hours where you have 36 hours to, um, you know, uh, free a planet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's all stuff that really does need an always online connection. So that's yet another reason why I think people are, are kind of being like, Hey, it's okay. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out. So I, I truly don't think, I don't think the consumers are overreacting. Um, and I do think that if you are upset about this and you should be, uh, I would get a refund. That's what the first thing I would do. And I've been, I've been telling people, wait two weeks, wait three weeks, and then you can hop in there with your friends. Now, obviously you don't get to play if. Some of your friends are playing right now and you're not. But if you could wait, wait it out. Yeah, I agree. That's the most practical advice. Uh one of the one of the things I was curious to get your your take on is uh the manner in which everyone's kind of being a little more tolerant with this game. And I think you already mentioned a lot of the factors that make it much more endearing than some of the other games. Uh it's not based on a huge brand, it's not AAA, it's not from Activision Blizzard or something like that. But I, th I think there might be a couple of more elements that make it charming, you know? Ooh, okay. uh, so, so what do you think, Bruce? Why, why is it blowing up in popularity? And what aspects about it are making people a little more tolerant? Because I think that kind of speaks to some of the cultural movements, like the, the things that people in mass are, are hoping for and tired of. Yeah, yeah. This is, so you already brought it up a little bit where you're talking about how there's a dry spell in games. Mm. Um, but also, I think there's... I would really like to hope, and I've seen people talking about this online, but I, I kind of thought this already. I would really like to hope, <laughs> Lawrence, that all of those things you just asked me, like how people are more tolerant of it and uh, they're willing to, you know, forgive it and they are kind of like, oh, it's okay, work, work on it, is because the game is cheap. It's 40 bucks. Um, it's the same with Pal World. Pal World was $30. Now, are the our com companies <laughs> making are they going to scale back their games make double a games and make them cheaper is this something that they could do because they see success successes of pal world and helldivers too what do you think Lawrence? man that's such a good question i was i was thinking about that <clears throat> there's been indie pay dirt before you know you get a hotline miami and you can make a tidy chunk of money on that it's not games of service money, or at least it, it didn't used <laughs> to be. Right. Yeah. Um, and they may still be in two separate worlds, but is it possible that, yeah, like a, a mid-budget, mid-range game, uh, especially released in a dry season, like that's where you shoot your dice. And if, if you're launching like five or six of them and two of them hit, then you get a, a really nice year and you bring in a lot of money. Um, there's a lot of developers that, that operate at that space, you know, New Bloods and, and Devolver uh, and Annapurna. Uh, and they they put out a lot of really cool stuff for twenty, thirty, forty dollars, but they don't really play by the same rules that you know an Activision Blizzard does, or even something like Disney or EA, where if a game doesn't earn you know 
10 million dollars they don't even give a shit so yeah i wonder i in some ways i'm kind of scared to be honest if games at this tier start earning that amount of money then there's fucking rules are going to sweep in or the market forces will start to conform them into money makers instead of hell divers 2 which i don't think anyone would have looked at and said this thing is going to make tens of millions of dollars for for somebody yeah maybe they would have i don't know uh, who knows there's no rules anymore man um that's right so uh i hope it i hope it still stays at that cozy level where yeah the the kind of companies that are okay just making 40 million dollars uh are the ones that will scout those games out and publish them <clears throat> excuse me i don't know why my voice is all over the place today so i yeah because because i think it's it's the inverse right now where everything all the things about Helldivers 2 that haven't been hammered through the triple a machine are what makes it so endearing um yeah. of course there's the price point but nearly immediately like the idea that you can earn premium currency not only in the path of progression in the game but also in the game itself there's just like a number of of small little pain points that are backed off of and i think that earns the game a lot of a lot of distinction and a lot of uh, credit and a lot of people's minds that are like pretty in the weeds on it like you and i um other games yeah, I mean, recently we, didn't do those things and kind of suffered the wrath no. or at least they had the perception of not doing those things no no yeah but i mean you're right like where i think you're talking about suicide squad yeah yeah, yeah. it's, it's and, fun to con- contrast and compare the uh, the reception of the two you know well, co-op pve then, games they're kind of kind of they should be kind of similar right they, i mean they are like this is this is a similar like they you like i when i played suicide squad with you i enjoyed it had a great time playing with you and like dropping our abilities on stuff and you know, doing what you do in Helldivers. That was fun. But that's made by a huge developer. It was $70 and it's on a, an IP that everybody knows. So, of course, there are the highest expectations for that. But also, um, and we talked about this, the Battle Pass or whatever it was in Suicide Squad wasn't offensive, but it was like, it's a lot of money to ask after they've taken your $70. And I said the same thing about Battlefield 2042. They charged me 70 bucks to get in there and they're, and then they're asking for a battle pass. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, that's crazy. There's not even one in the game, though. It's not there yet. I don't know. Well, if they... it will. It will be right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But everyone's that... mad at it for something that hasn't even happened yet. So <laughs> that's a good point. That's a very good point. <laughs> um, but Helldivers is the opposite, right? It's 40 bucks. So it's already cheap. Um, and then all of the levels of the battle pass can be earned. You could just play you don't have to spend any money at all. Now you got to play a lot to do that. And it's relatively random when you get those super credits or whatever they're that you, you know, but, but you can rely, you know, I want to say probably every mission you can probably rely on a hundred super credits. And I think you needed a thousand to buy the premium battle pass, the, mm-hmm. the war bond. Um, so you know, you got to play a bit to get through it. Uh, but I think that that was the right move. And I, again, I think this comes from, I've said this a lot about video games in general, but I think this comes from the fact that it wasn't an established IP and there was less oversight. I want to say Sony probably was like, well, how much does this game cost? 50 million? You know what? Whatever. Yeah. Do whatever you want. Like they hell divers had a nice, it was a fun game. Uh, the first one, it had a, a pretty good life to it. And, and then like, you know, $50 million is like a drop in the bucket for Sony. And I would imagine Suicide Squad will probably costs what three hundred million to make. Oh man, right? Yeah, I mean, like, probably. probably Rocksteady's a, a huge studio, and I don't know what they've been oh, working yeah. on for the last seven years. But 
They've been Wasn't funded it? the whole time. Lawrence, how much did Spider-Man 2 cost to make? What was oh, it? Like three, that was like 325 or something like that? 350 Yeah, it's getting, it's getting pretty outrageous. Um, so, yeah. So, like, so they probably spent around 300 for Suicide Squad. And then when they see Helldivers, they're like, don't worry about it. There's no, you know, they got it. <laughs> they, this, this game will sell, uh, this game will sell 200,000 copies. Like, I bet they were probably, it's about 200,000 copies in uh, for the first month. And then it'll have a year or two life games as a service. And then they made their money back and they're good to go. I don't know how big the arrowhead is. I'll look that up right now, but um, it's, I promise you that it's less oversight. Sony probably barely even gave it a second look. (laughs) Yeah, I guess (laughs) I was wondering about that too. It, since it made it to market with such a pretty light um, grind layer, I wonder if Bungie had anything to say about it or if it was, Here's the thing. I think like you're you're kind of intimating, and they, I'm fully making up narratives at this point. By the way, of course, this is all this is all speculation <clears throat> on our part. All yeah, we're just theory crafting. But I do wonder, Bruce, if the profit expectations were under a certain tier with Sony, that they didn't need Bungie to come in and try to work their magic on it. Because no uh, oh man, there was some comment from a Sony executive in Japan where they basically said that like they could do a better job making Bungie accountable for the develop like the developing issues that they're involved with. And I was like, okay, so Bungie got on a lot of committees, shot a lot of ideas down, and then just went back home and kicked their feet up, collected their <laughs> checks, and delayed a bunch of games. So, I don't know. I'm 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 being very conspiratorial, uh, and 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 that's fun to do sometimes. But yeah, the the game didn't like like I was saying before, the game made it to market with a refreshing lack of bullshit. So I yeah. think that on top of other things, also like you said, the CEO is has been pretty responsive on the internet, always very like direct. Uh, yep. mm, the, the right amount of contrition, I guess, too, of just like, being we're working sarcastic. on it, we're sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He can get away with it. it, man. People usually don't it. take that shit from anyone when their game's not working. And somehow yeah. he's making it work. So that's super impressive, I have to admit. Yeah. Um, by the way, Arrowhead's approximately 100 people. Whew. So there's 100 people at their studio. And again, there's probably, this is probably, you know, we know how it goes. Like there's a little bullpen full of cubicles <laughs> and... Um, you know, each one of them is making hopefully like, like on average, it's like a hundred K a year. Hopefully I hope they're making maybe even more than that. Um, and, uh, these, these dudes are just making a fun game. I promise you they're out here being like, oh, these explosions are the best. And like, yes, you like have to be able to kill your teammates with everything. And like, they're just having a great time. And <laughs> Sony said, how much you need? 30 million, whatever. You're good. Yeah. No, no sweat. Uh, and then <laughs> didn't even look at it. I wonder I really wonder if anybody from Bungie ever even took a look at this. Like, I wonder if they said, hey, like, there's a couple of people that are on the Bungie monetization team for Destiny. You should take a look at Helldivers because we're going to release Helldivers uh, in early 2024. When did they acquire Bungie? Was it 2023 or mm. 2022? Oh, good question. It was a while back. Yeah. Um, but I, but I, like, I wonder if they even asked Bungie to take a look. <laughs> 2022, yeah. 22, because because I promise you, I mean, we already know this, that they asked Bungie to look at the monetization of The Last of Us Online. And the, I'm, from the rumors is that Bungie was the one that killed it. Bungie was the one that like, was like, what the fuck is this? Like, you're not going to make any money on this. This is, And I hate that. I can't stand that. I wanted to see the game. They said it was basically done. So because it can't be monetized according to the way Sony and Bungie want it, we can't play it? Like, that blows my mind. So... Yeah, I'm going to 
Because the the statement that Naughty Dog put out, if you want to believe it, literally was something like, now that we understand the cost and efforts associated with making this, we're not gonna. So I do wonder if if Bungie was like, all right, right, jerks, here's the list of stuff you need to make this real. And it was like four hours of CG cutscenes, 16 hours of recorded dialogue, five seasons with like four different levels each. And they were just like, oh, no, uh, never mind. So, yeah, I don't know. I always wonder. I always wonder about that. Would you like... (laughs) hire a studio and you you want to believe that they figured out the sauce because they did it right once or twice um but i don't know some the 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 older i get and the longer i see the the market react to games boys are just in the shifting sands of the zeitgeist of of the deluge of products that people are suddenly tired of and done with even though they couldn't get enough of them two years ago there's no way to predict that um maybe someday but yeah, uh, that's why that's why I I feel like the trajectory of huge, expensive, and risk averse games is just going to get more and more boring. Um, I agree because people yeah. are going to think they haven't figured out more and more, but they really don't. Uh, yeah. I think Helldivers Two is a really good example of that. Um, yep. I think another factor, and this is this is getting more into the creative aspect. That is, it's catnip for me as an American, at least, is sort of the American cultural satire, which. Uh, also really frustrates me because why is it that United States developers cannot make games that satirize American culture? It's I mean, always GTA. Studios, what, GTA. That's, I always think of, of them as being primarily from UK. Uh, Rockstar? Rockstar? I guess maybe maybe you're right. Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, GTA is, is the biggest one. It's a living parody, yeah. but even like Red Dead is one of the most American games. And and in a, a historical and very authentic way, Alan Wake has a ton of American imagery in it. It's it's all downstream of the great American author Stephen King, L.A. Noir. This is Australian, and this yeah. is Swedish. So it's interesting too because they never say America in the game. It's just super Earth. But right? we know. We but know. We know. Yeah. We know. And uh, I can't speak for other cultures, right? I can just speak for myself. But boy, do I love it when games make fun of of fucking Americans because we it's such it's so it's such fertile ground. Uh, the it disposable is. nature yeah. of all the soldiers, the uh, the the absolute uh, frivolous nature in which you throw around galactic explosions is delightful. Well, like it's all sorts of like money. I always imagine that everything is money in Helldivers, like the, the you know, like the bombs and all that stuff. And it just doesn't matter. It's just like throw it anywhere, everywhere. We're just constantly throwing money all over the place. I love it. It's the it's the I mean, we also Lawrence, we are the best country in the world. All right. Of course, we're the, we're, at, we're at the top of the top. Everyone's shooting for us because we're the best. That's right. All right, Lawrence. All the bugs and, that's and why robots out there. That's why, that's why we're so easy to come after because we're the best. <laughs> Target number one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, yeah. It, it, it really helps your pride when people are making fun of you because it just means you're target number one. That's right. Exactly. Uh, that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. How uh, most of these satirizations are, are from other countries that are not even American. You're, Maybe maybe we have uh we don't have a good enough sense of humor about ourselves to do that, you know. Yeah, I th- yeah. I think that might be true. For, uh, yeah, it has to be kind of delicately put, uh, I feel like. And and Helldivers <laughs> does a really good job of doing that. So I'll it say does, that. Yeah. Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I've always been been really annoyed by that even. I guess some indie games certainly from American developers can do that, but the way that I see it is like culturally American games are distinctly American because they are made to sell often at the expense of uh, any kind of artistic flourish. So you just Mm -hmm. get these like hyper invested, but ultimately pretty safe in terms of gameplay and theme kind of games that are meant for everyone to enjoy, but forget about. Uh, So that's not so bad. You know, disposable consumerism is certainly an American thing, but 
I want to sure. see more freaking. I want to see hot rods and greasers and <laughs> rock and roll joints and and neon laced diners in the middle of Arizona at night. Like, <laughs> I want to see more of that in games. I want to see more of that you, in the games that we make. You want like a fifties America, yeah? But maybe cyberpunk future. I mean, that's what cyberpunk is, truly. Yeah, cyberpunk um, also a very American game made by yeah. Polish developers. Yeah, no, and they did a great job. Um, I do want to talk about too the because uh, like it's it's hard to i don't really know how to put this because with the in- indie developers like arrowhead and larian i mean larian is obviously a massive developer but they are indie they are not owned by anybody um and to me larian and arrowhead are really good examples of companies that have a vision and there's probably a, just a few people that are all sitting down being like this is what we want our game to be uh it's going to take us a really long time to get there because I think the first Helldivers was a long time ago. And it's going to take us a long time to get there, but it will, you know, we'll slowly get there. Uh, if you can drip, drip us some cash along the way, we should be able to maintain our vision and have our employees because they are passionate about a good video game. Um, and of course, they are a company that wants to make money, but they're not prioritizing making money. And companies like Sony and Microsoft... We know, we know what they're doing. They're prioritizing making money. We know that. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't people trying to make really good stuff within those studios, because there are. But there's this push and pull. There's this fight. Um, the thing I think about a lot is with EA. Um, I would, I, I've heard so many different stories from Battlefield developers at EA once, you know, uh, EA bought Dice that eventually they like kind of absorbed everybody that was on the battlefield team into ea turned them all into executives and then battlefield lost its soul um and to me that is uh, hopefully all of those people that came from dice uh are living comfortably now i hope that they all really honestly like I'm, i i want them to have comfortable happy lives where they're not killing themselves to make a great game so there's got to be a work-life balance there but there's a passion very specifically at these indie developers uh, or more, more specifically developers that are not owned by giant corporations that I don't, I don't think we see all the time at the multi-billion dollar corporations like a, like a Microsoft or a Sony. Um, again, I don't think it's a hard, fast rule, just more of a thing that I've noticed that there's, a, there's, a, there's some visionaries that uh, are involved with these the studios that are that don't have um ea executives trying to monetize reloads <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what's interesting is um it's nice to see with helldivers 2 and power world if you want to qualify these two as as passion driven games and i think i think that counts uh that they're also commercially successful um yeah, I, I hope that just leads to to more games like that breaking out and and just creating more opportunities for games like that. Because yeah, Helldivers Two is so much more interesting than other maybe co op PVE games that have come out recently <laughs> for a lot of people. So it's a good trend. Yeah. I'm down with it. Um, yeah, yeah. One of the other trends that I was curious about is just in terms of how the market's operating. Um, this you could call this a dry spell, air quotes, for both Pal World and Helldivers Two. Uh, there sure is a lot of buying intent out there though, huh? That's kind of that's kind of my takeaway. It seems like people just want to buy something. And there's yeah. so many of them that just want to buy the new thing and check it out. 
just have a new game on Friday or something like that. And they just buy what's whatever's buzzing that week. So I don't, it's my gut saying that I have like no behavioral data implying that this is the thing, but uh, yeah, for, for as doom and gloom is like the economy is supposed to be, or as, as tight as people spending money s- seemingly getting sure. A lot of people out there that can break off 30 or 40 bucks for a, uh, an interesting looking game, you know, that it's, I feel like that's a bit different than somebody getting fed on a hype machine for three months or six months. You know, you, you, you watch every Call of Duty trailer or whatever, and your, your money's set aside, you're going to buy it. But this feels more like just a lot of impulse purchasing based on word of mouth. Uh, and I'm surprised there's plenty of money out there that still flow to projects like that. I don't, I don't know. What do you think? You, no, you're, you're right. Um, and you're describing every uh, economic article that I read about every, <laughs> yeah. literally about every industry, because everyone's like, everyone talks about how we're almost in a recession. We're not, but almost in a recession. And... Uh, how nobody has any spending money and all the prices have gone up on their groceries, but then <laughs> everybody's, but people are spending money on Pal World and Helldivers. Um, so, and that is the same for people are going out to eat. People are, you know, like whatever, driving more. They're, they're spending more money on things. And most of the things that I've read are, is that uh, people are just going into debt. <laughs> they're just <laughs> using, yeah, they're just using credit cards to, um, to buy these things. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I know. So hopefully that is not the truth. But it, but it, I mean, you know, the debt is going up. The national debt is going up. Um, regardless, uh, it's an interesting observation because you're right. I, I think, again, I'll go back to what I hope is happening, which is I think the market is, is driving a cheaper price for games. Um, because if you see a $30 or $40 game, boy, is that so much easier on the eyes than a $70 game. But even before, now that I... Now that when I see a $60 game, I'm like, whoo, (laughs) like, thank God. When you get into 70 territory, I'm starting to think a hundred. That's where I'm starting to think like it's, it's pushing me to a hundred and I'm like getting worried. Um, but when I see pal world was on discount the first week, it's $27. That's fucking nothing. That's like a Chipotle meal. That's one Chipotle meal, you know, like, um, and so that's, so we're in a weird time right now where inflation has, has raised the price of a lot of other random goods that we need. And then also we'll see a game that's $27. So like there's like this um, prices do not feel equal currently. Uh, and I think that maybe is why people are willing to spend 40 bucks on Helldivers. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I mean, games have kind of been underpriced relatively for the hours that they provide as entertainment. So it, it's interesting that there's such a perceptive difference in $20, you know, between a $40 or $60 game. But you're right, Bruce. That's how it yeah. is. Um, one of the things that I just realized is that games like Pal World and, and Hell, Helldivers 2 are able to be so successful because they're just hitting a massive scale that games weren't before, or especially games of that tier. And I think that is, that is the absolute downstream benefit of COVID, uh, is that mm. there were just so many more people that, that picked up gaming, not all of them stuck with it, but for a game like Helldivers 2 to come out and be so successful that you can't even play it, it's just unheard of. Uh, especially yeah. at, at like the price that it's at. So that's good though for, I think for all the reasons that we talked about is that it might actually super incentivize more investment into more vibrant games or less aggressively monetized games. I think the other side of this, the, like the way that the sword cuts both ways there is that when a game does launch with a battle pass at $70 or whatever, you know, it doesn't need to, you know, <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Games are still yeah. selling at that scale at the high end of the price range too. 
Now, if they have to afford corporate bloat and all that, fine. But they also laid everyone off. So it's all it's all bullshit. That's what mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just I'm yelling at cloud at this point. But once it gets <laughs> up into the AAA layer, like they'll tell you something. But I mean, we keep hammering it home. It's about money. And if they can get oh. it out of you, they will. Um, yeah. Where I have to check myself a little bit is that sometimes sometimes good creative work still happens under that system. It's rare. But totally sometimes it does. It does. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just I'm just hedging my bets because I I still think Suicide Squad was a pretty good game. But anyway, I do too. No, yeah. I, I I mean like I to me it was it's like a there was like Spider Man where like Spider Man you played through Spider Man. I know Lawrence you beat it. I didn't I didn't play I didn't beat it. like get all the way to the end of it. <laughs> but was it twenty hours, twenty five hours? Mm, yeah, something like that. Yeah, twenty. And it was that's a seventy dollar video game, and it probably felt really high production. And I think you seemed you're kind of like it's cool, right? Yeah, like, I had fun with it. No regrets. Yeah, 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 and. To me, that's kind of what Suicide Squad was. Like, I wasn't playing this because of the games as a service. I was like, oh, like, I'm curious to see what the story is about and like what cinematics they can throw at me and like what this high production value thing will give me. Um, Helldivers is the exact opposite. I don't expect any production value. I expect a fun video game. Um, and uh, if they give me a fun little cinematics or whatever, great. But I don't need them. Um, whereas Suicide Squad, I'm like, going to the movies almost you know like i'm going to a transformers film (laughs) you know like expecting to see a a million explosions in three hours so yeah way more transactional which is is fine that's a product yeah 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 exactly that's a boy you kind of hit on something else too which is uh, i think helldivers 2 is pretty refreshing because it's one of the first it's one of the first servicey games in a long time that doesn't it doesn't pull a lot of perceptive tricks to make you care more about the progression than just about playing the game. You know, the point of playing That's Helldivers true. is to dive in with your friends and shoot a bunch of bugs. And yeah, you get some progression, you get some stuff and you can target that, but it doesn't put all those progression meters necessarily way up in your face. It doesn't shoot off fireworks whenever you level up. There's a lot of like scummy, uh, perceptive things that it doesn't do, which actually mm-hmm. I think clears clears the clutter out of the way a little bit and lets you focus on the game itself and not get so distracted by all the meta. Yeah, that's the only reason I was like, when I was playing it and trying to level up, the only reason I was trying to level up because I wanted to see what the other big bombs did. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's all. I was like, oh my God, like I would watch the cinematic of the 500 kilogram bomb drop and I'd be like, like, that's all I want. That's it. And so then I get to that unlock it use it and be like oh my this is so cool and then i look to the um, next one on the list is like orbital laser <laughs> what? what does that do and then like you'd see somebody use it in your game or whatever you're like oh my like that's, that's the only reason i was playing was because it was fun it was fun to see and it's i thought i would feel unfulfilled once i got to the end and have unlocked everything but i don't the 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 weapons and the explosions and all the orbital lasers and everything going off is it, awesome so like i really don't feel i thought for sure i was gonna be like ah, after 20 i'll just stop and i didn't <laughs> like i'm still having a blast so yeah there's a lot of spontaneity in the game too a lot of just outrageous situations uh which which is owing to its its good design as being a pretty intricate and mechanics based game i think mm-hmm. so yeah. they uh they they set a really good design target in terms of the sandbox that you get to play in and they made it they tuned it really really well so yeah pretty awesome yeah. stuff yeah, it's a, it's such a weird comparison, but I've been saying it a lot on stream. This is the way I feel and felt about Battlefield. This was uh, when I first played Battlefield in 1942. It blew my mind that I could run around and shoot a gun and then also get into a Jeep and then also get into a tank and then also get into a plane. 
Uh, it really did. And it still does. Like, that's the coolest part of me or part of Battlefield for me is the the moments it creates. Um, and they, you know, they monetized it in one of the advertisements for <laughs> Battlefield. They call them Battlefield moments, right? Yeah. Um, and because it's true. That's what, that's what happens in Battlefield. You get like crazy shit that happens and like it only happens in Battlefield because it does. Um, and it's the same with Helldivers. Helldivers has those same moments that you're like, this would have never happened otherwise. Like there's a one of my favorite clips that I clipped from a stream that you and I were playing was you were running past just a random nuclear bomb that was sitting in the and I was like okay I think because if you shoot those bombs they explode and they're huge <laughs> and I was like I bet I can shoot it just so it explodes right behind Lawrence and doesn't kill him <laughs> and I was able to because I, I kind of like I guessed the radius and, and I was like alright Lawrence turn around and you turn and you're like wow like your discord like cut out because you were yelling and I was like that's the kind of thing that only Helldivers does so mm-hmm. Yeah, real video game shit. I yeah yeah. I think um, I think a, a bit about this about the sort of golden technical run that games had from the early '90s to the early 2000s, going from like basic sprite based games to fully 3D worlds. You know, uh, it was a really exciting time to watch games happen because games were doing fundamentally new things they just straight up could not do before. It's been a while since a game has felt like that. That, you know, something about the beefiness of the the hardware platforms or the speed of the Internet. Something finally hit a certain level where suddenly we can enjoy this. Battlefield mm-hmm. was absolutely one of those. Oh, my gosh. Levolution was like, oh, games can oh, do this amazing. now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, those there's moments in Helldivers, too, where, you know, you're looking across this whole uh, valley filled with robots that are just getting blown to splinters by artillery calls and stuff. And it's a beautiful moment. Yeah, it is. That, that simulation yeah. is actually happening and it's shared with other people. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it, from what I can see, the netcode seems great once you're in the game. Like once it, now I don't think it, I've never heard. I don't really have any any desync or nothing. Nobody's really said anything about how like oh that explosion went off a few seconds after you saw it. I've never heard one person say that. So yeah, I've just seen some uh, some like correction, like a corpse will zoom from over there to over there oh, yeah. just to be in the right yeah. spot. But it's actually done really well. Yeah, which also explains why they might be hitting a lot of bottlenecks down the lane when they didn't expect to have to run hundreds of thousands of instances all parallel Mm -hmm. uh so yeah hopefully they'll uh they'll scale up or the game will you know cool off people will people will uh join in when they have time and but one way or the other it's it's hard to kind of like i was saying before it doesn't feel like there's anyone to point the finger at and say boo it actually seems like everything's kind of going as well as it could uh it's a shame that some people can't enjoy the game with their friends uh on the you know one night off they have a week that's always the worst but Right. Hopefully it'll get right. better. I'm sure it will. I mean, I, it was, I'm glad you listed the things that are coming out in the next few weeks because that's right now, like this week even, uh, there's Nightingale, which I played uh, yesterday. Pretty solid survival game. What is, yeah, I don't, what is that all about? I don't know anything about that game. Uh, it's a survival game. So, I mean, like, I know you already don't like it because you don't mm-hmm. like that genre, but, but I think the hook, I only played like four hours of it, but the hook of it is you're basically, you control which world you go to next so you control what environment you want to survive in um that's as far as i got so i didn't play that i didn't play very much but like you're portaling to different different more like a forest world or a desert world or you know and then each one has different creatures and uh you know different plants and stuff like that that you get you can use to survive um which is neat uh i think there was there's another oh e- last epoch just had its uh its first like its major release i think it's 1.0 um, which is kind of like Diablo and that I think just hit today. I want to say, 
Um, so yeah, so I think those will probably take players away from Helldivers, I would imagine. I don't know. Maybe. It might be. It might hit this point now where it's just sort of a self-feeding thing. Enough people are playing it. It's co-op, so it's got that spreadability aspect. It's another thing with Pal World, right? It's something about having co-op or multiplayer features. It just means you want to tell your friends to get it so you all play together. Virally Absolutely. spread. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we got uh, some other big releases coming up. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two Rebirth. Yes, uh, I yeah. added, well, it's just called Rebirth. But anyway, yeah, that's on February 29th. Uh, how, did you finish Remake Part One? Remake whatever. <laughs> I, I didn't finish it. I play. I played seven eight hours. Enjoyed it. Um, but I was I like since I was streaming it, I usually it, like if if it's not vibing with people on my stream, then, then I'll I'll move on. So I'm not blaming anybody. Just more like. I enjoyed it and I probably would have kept playing it if people were watching it, but I'm sure there was another video game that came out. Who knows what? Um, but I am looking forward to Rebirth because uh, the, these games have amazing production value and generally speaking are super awesome. So I love learning about the lore of Final Fantasy because I'm going to learn more about it, I'm sure. Sheesh, yeah. Yeah, it should be a roller coaster ride. They're, they've stuffed it full of mini games and all that silly stuff, so... Are you, cool. are you planning on just dropping in? Uh, there will probably be some kind of catch-up, re-explanation, story, whatever. I was going to. Should I not? No, you should. Screw it. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Uh, all right. I'm sure that they can, they can sum it up pretty quick. Uh, and I'm sure chat will be, will be there and helpful, as always, to uh, fill in any of the gaps. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I got Unicorn Overlord uh, coming up on March 8th. Uh, yeah. This is from Vanillaware, which is a pretty quirky developer they always have very very luscious 2d artwork in their games mm. um kind of sinewy uh interesting oil painting look to all their games unicorn overlord specifically is i guess it's like a real-time tactical game you raise armies cool. and you send out units and tell them to attack castles and things like that i don't know much more than that but it looks really cool and i've enjoyed vanillaware a lot in the past so i'm looking forward to it uh, and this next one, boy, am I looking forward to a lot because I just I just yeah, played through too. Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen and boy, you want to talk about games with soul games that had a vision and just went a place despite whether or not it was sellable. And I don't think <laughs> it was very sellable in the early 2010s, but Dragon's Dogma <laughs> was a very brave game. So I'm excited to see Dragon's Dogma 2. Uh, Capcom is just on another level these days and I do love yeah, to see are. it. Yeah, I'm I am really looking forward to this, too. I think I've talked about this, but I'll talk about it again. The. Uh, I just love how much emphasis they put on using AI to help you play. Oh, it's like, that's exactly what I want in a single player game. So I'm so excited to see what stupid things my AI will do against enemies. That's like, I love that. I love, uh, cause like, I want to, I just want to set the systems on, uh, you know, do whatever. And then they all go. And then I just sit there and watch, you know, like <laughs> I, I love that stuff. So I'm really looking forward to dragon's dogma too. There's so much majesty in that. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> oh my god <laughs> sorry about to edit that out uh yeah it's we were just talking about co-op with hell divers dragon's dogma 2 or dragon's dogma in general it's one of those games where you look at it and you're like why isn't this co-op that's the most obvious thing in the world just make it co-op but there's there's some magic going on there like yeah yeah an oblivion like a sorry a bethesda open world rpg wouldn't be as quirky and weird as and magical if there were another human there kind of seeing everything with you. So there's, there's something special about being the one player in a whole world of idiots that are all pretending like you're the most per important person they've ever met. 
which is what dragon's dogma is so yeah yeah being surrounded by dopey ai that are always chit-chatting and falling over themselves and stuff it 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 makes that game have a pretty special aroma that i'm very excited and yeah i can't wait to see what they do with the ai this time around um so there's a they said there was a, a trickster class in dragon's dogma 2 which is like then you make like the enemies attack each other there's just like so many different uh permutations of things that i can't wait to try um so i'm so excited to see again because i don't know how stupid or smart their ai is i would imagine it's pretty dumb so it's just gonna be me yelling at somebody who's you know running against a rock right like it's always the same um and then sometimes your ai will do something really smart and you're like whoa like that's really cool so that's why i love i love seeing what the developers build yeah yes and especially with uh kind of like i mentioned before i don't think there's going to be a lot of restraint uh, when it comes to what they're throwing into Dragon's Dogma 2, at least I hope not. If mm. anything, I hope that they're less less constrained than they were with the first game and decide to go all out and get even more ridiculous. Yeah. And then uh, I guess the last select for the next handful of weeks is Rise of the Ronin coming out on March 22nd. This looks like a pretty cozy game. Uh, pretty straightforward. Maybe kind of to the tastes of what people want these days. Uh, feudal Japanese games used to be a lot more common than they, they have been. So it's interesting oh, really? to see them kind of come back. Yeah, I remember Remember, they oh. would land all the time. I mean, like when Japan was the, the country making most of the high profile games, I think there just kind of naturally were a, a bit more feudal Japanese games on the market. Kind of yeah. went through an era where they sort of retracted and now they're bursting on back. So uh, this is pretty exciting to see. I think it's just kind of a it looks like like PS2 core. You're just a man <laughs> running around doing quests for people and beating up things and finding incrementally better swords and chests probably i don't know some looks cozy about it i'm excited to see what it's got going on i mean isn't it sekiro isn't it like the FromSoft? oh it's not from soft it's uh well no i know i know it's not from soft but i mean like isn't it that formula like where you're like countering and you i think know, it like, might be a little more open worldy i think there's like towns oh, i hope and it is NPCs and things is this the same developer as uh near is neo um, oh, it's, oh, that's Neo. Okay, all right, yeah. So then, because I really liked Neo's style, it didn't feel as hard as a Sekiro or a FromSoft. Yeah, Team Ninja. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Because it, I was, I was trying to decide if I was going to enjoy this game or not. Like, because I was like, because if it's a FromSoft Sekiro clone, I'm, I probably won't. But yeah. if it's like more like Neo, I probably would be into that. So Team Ninja can go any old way. It, it's a, it's a throw, man. Sometimes they make. They, they have it within themselves to make, I think, like pretty approachable, standard, enjoyable games. And then sometimes they just really go for it. Um, they It's typically pretty challenging and pretty like gamer button intense. I didn't see a lot of that in the preview footage for Rise of the Ronin. So maybe they decided to back off a little bit. But yeah, I mean, even like Stranger Paradise, that game was was out there and required you to hit some some gamer buttons. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Another developer. Pretty quirky sometimes. Yeah, and no, I, didn't, I didn't play Stranger Paradise, so I didn't know anything about it. it it's, I mean, it, it looked awesome. Rise of the Run looked awesome. You but, know what? Uh, yeah. yeah. Stranger Paradise is another one of those games that, like, it captured the aroma of a quirky, weird, old 8-bit game where nothing made sense, and the main character was just like an edgelord. So, it brought that back. And the Dragon's Dogma does a lot of the same stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to see some of that. Uh, and, you know, tons more kind of double-A, uh, lower-scale releases. Uh, along the way too um too many to mention which is great news for us it's a blessing and a curse having more amazing games than we can play but here we are uh yeah 
yeah at the end of it's, another games cast go figure so oh uh, yeah we made it we made it i it's just crazy to me that these games just i mean like not hell hell divers sort of came out of nowhere but pal world i don't think anybody expected that one to explode it's it's we are like you said we're eating good we're spoiled because these are just games that aren't even really in the like anybody's field of vision when it comes to big releases right pretty crazy um but these are the ones taking over mm-hmm. yeah for yeah for for some stretches of time it it feels like there can't be this many sales for every worthy game uh so hopefully hopefully the cake keeps getting spread around i worry that yeah. one day there will just be scads and scads and scads of amazing soulful artistically valid games that there's just no time uh maybe we're already there but yeah. uh we still got yeah. good games in the meantime yeah. yeah and we got good podcasts in the meantime thank you bruce <laughs> god i love talking oh, about hell divers always i mean yeah this game is just so good it's just so good don't buy right now but it's just so good <laughs> or buy it if you have some patience i don't know i i haven't seen these two hour cues yeah, yet yeah. it's been like a yeah, yeah. handful of minutes for me but thank you uh hopefully if you were listening to this podcast to sit out the queue you got into the game at some point uh and we'll we'll see you in the hell diving fields bye everybody